Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are In glory, the angels, as we know, um, continue to flap their six wings, some of them, with eyeballs all within them. And they continue to flap and circle and surround the presence in the throne room of God. And their praise never ceases. It just continues. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they're flapping these wings that sound like mighty waterfalls and they're singing and declaring the same words holy 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 is the lord god almighty so don't think it weird but we ask you to keep praising the lord keep praising the lord because in his throne the praising never ceases amen come on praise the lord one more time practice practice what you're going to do in heaven you might as well start practicing amen Because it's going to be done in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen. You've had a blessed week, I pray, and I hope you've had a great week. And if you haven't, I pray that today you start having a great day. Amen. Um, And uh, you just rejoice in his presence and you rejoice in his word. I pray that you've heard from the Lord already. How many of you have heard from the Lord already? He's speaking to our lives. Amen. And that you would receive that, apply that, and, and really um, spend time with that. One of the greatest fears that we have is that we leave here and that we immediately just forget what the Lord has done. We, we forget what the Lord has said. The best thing that you could do is go home, get in silence again and say, Whoa, what did the Lord just say? And really put that into a journal, put that into some sort of something in, uh, if you do devices, But put those thoughts and put that clarity uh, because when God speaks, it should be written down. Amen? The Bible, God spoke and it was written down. All right? God spoke to Moses, it was written down. When God speaks, write it down. Amen? So I believe that God's going to continue to teach and uh, we're going to have a good time in his word today because when don't we have a good time in his word? I love his word. You love his word. We're a house that loves his word. Amen? Last week, we, were, we, were, um, we learned uh, through Mark chapter 6, uh, very important. It was a powerful message. It was an, an important message. It's a truthful message. And we learned in Mark 6 that the Lord rescues. The Lord rescues. And we looked into even the story before that as it was hinted to us. Not only does he rescue, but we learned that the Lord provides. The Lord rescues and the Lord provides. And I was glad to hear that message uh, last week, and I was glad to sit in it and be here. At least for me, we want to welcome everyone that's watching now and that will watch this. And whenever you're watching this, as you're watching it right now, we, we welcome you. And we ask you to share these messages as you're watching it in YouTube. And as you're here in YouTube, share them with everyone you know so that they can receive the word as well. But I know for me, it feels so different when we're gathered together. What we just had, we could have church at home. But what we just had right now in worship, you miss that if you're not here, if you're not in person, if you're not gathering. The 
The scripture is very clear in the gathering where two or more are gathered. He inhabits in the praises of his people. And, and, and coming together and coming back is so important. As, as much as the world and the enemy wants us to divide from meeting all over scripture, um, it emphasizes the importance of gathering. Amen? And what a beautiful moment we just had. What a beautiful moment this was. And for me last week being here, it really is just a blessing to be here and, and hear it because the two weeks prior, I was watching it on, Zoom, on, on YouTube and to be here, it just does something different. Uh, and to hear that message. And the reason why I was so glad that I was here to hear it is because I've had today's message in my heart to share um, in this new year um, to us, to you. Um, and it goes along with what I heard and what, what, what we heard uh, last week. So I just felt like last week being here, I was like, yes, I'm not going crazy. I'm hearing from the Lord. And, and I'm just grateful for that. So before we, we do this, I want, I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles there, if your smart devices and, and, and all that. If not, it's also going to come up on the screen. But in Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be at today. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10 in Luke chapter 19. Some of you may know of this story. Maybe some of you, it's the first time you hear this story. But I love this story. I, I would say it's one of my favorite stories, but I have so many of those one of my favorite stories. that So, I don't know. It's one of my favorite stories. So we'll just make this one another one of those favorite stories. And, and I love this story because I could relate a lot to this story. And um, hopefully you can as well. But we're going to read this now in a moment. But before we read this passage, I, I just want to share my thoughts that I've had as I've been reading through Luke 19 and these first 10 verses, I started thinking about when I was young and uh, when I was a kid, one of our, our younger, in my youthly years. Um, I remember I, I, I used to love playing manhunt. How many of you um, liked playing manhunt? All right, good. Just the name sounds good, right? Manhunt. But um, some of us are like, I still like it. I'm down, right? Like, we're, still, we're still going do a game of manhunt right now. But I remember at night, we used to all get together at night even. Uh, remember, T? A bunch of us from the youth group, we would all get together at night. We would meet up like at 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. And we would go like to golf courses. I mean, it was illegal. The cops, the cops, the cops would, ooh, guys, you need to. Imagine, they would see like 20 young guys with, with flashlights running around the golf courses playing manhunt. We went into the woods even at one time. Uh, the YMCA, we, we would just like uh, break the law when we were young to enjoy manhunt in our old youth group. And um, it, it, I mean, it was fun. And when the cops would show up to kick us out, you know, it, it adds to the, when you're, when you're a young man, you know, that stuff excites you, you know, you, you just, but manhunt. Now, if you've ever played manhunt, you know that the, the, if you're not the seeker, the purpose is to hide from the seeker. If you're playing in teams, it's to hide from the other team. If, if you're the one that's hiding. And, and you have to hide. And think about manhunt for a moment and this hiding. Most of the times, you had to hide. And, and if you were good at it, you would want to hide in an elevated spot. Because it's the place where you're out of the line of vision. It's for, so that you're not seen uh, from or by the seeker. So you want to go on a high place, on a place where we tend to look down and straight. Very rarely do we look up. And, and that's what we do when we're, we're playing these manhunts. And I started thinking about that. Because that's what you do. You know, you, you get up on an elevated place and hopefully they don't see me here. And what I love about Luke chapter 19 is that it's, it's, it's not a little, it's a lot different than the game of manhunt. Instead of going to an elevated, elevated place to hide, this individual, as we read it, goes to an elevated place 
which will eventually be to be seen. And um, the, the, re, the, the truth is, you might look at it and say, no, he went to an elevated place so that he can see. So that he can see. That's kind of what you get when you first read the story. He went to an elevated spot because he wanted to see what was happening. So he went up to see. I remember when the Heat won the championship. I couldn't see. I couldn't see past the crowds. And there was a massive billboard in front of the arena. And me and a few of my friends, we started to climb up the, the, the billboard sign. And we stood on the billboard and we looked at the arena and we got to see um, the Heat players come in uh, when Shaq won it and stuff like that. And we were able to see that. And we were standing on the billboard uh, railing, all looking all the way down at the arena. We went to an elevated place so that we can see. But in this story, it wasn't just so that I can see, but it's also so that I can be seen. And, and I think it's very interesting, totally different than when we used to play Manhunt, but I just started thinking about that. Let's read through this passage, and I believe you're going to get a lot of it just as we read. You're going to receive from it. In Luke chapter 19, verse 1 is where we'll begin. It says this. I'm reading from the New King James. entered and he passed through Jericho. Everyone say, he passed through. So he, and say, entered. Right. He's not passing through anywhere he has not entered. So he's entering and passing through. He's passing through the place he's entered. Two, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector. Notice the description there. Not just a normal tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. And it also says, just so that you can know, he was rich. What does that mean about Zacchaeus? He was a successful chief tax collector. Are you with me? He was doing good at his job. He was making money from what he was doing. He was making money from his career, which was a chief tax collector. With me, verse 3. And he sought to see who Jesus was. I want you to see that word there. And he what? Sought. He sought to see who Jesus was. But he could not see Jesus. He couldn't do it because of the crowd, the scripture says. He couldn't see Jesus. He sought, but he couldn't because of the crowd. But look what Scripture says next. Because he was of short stature. And all my short people say. <laughs> I'm just letting you know. Just in case you're tall and big. Jesus loves the short people. All right, I'm just letting you know. I got I to gotta give some help to my short people. All right. He couldn't because of his short stature. The NLT says because he was too short to see over the crowd. That's how I felt in 2006. Parade Miami Heat Championship. So I climbed the billboard. Verse 5. So he ran ahead. He ran ahead. I can't see him. The crowd's too much. Went around the crowd and he ran ahead. And he climbs up into this sycamore tree. A sycamore fig tree is what I love. I love that it's a fig tree. And he runs up to this tree, a sycamore tree. And it says for he knew that <clears throat> Jesus was going to pass that way. He goes up to the tree. So verse, the next verse, which verse are we? Five now, right? So when Jesus came to the place, I love this, he looks up. He sees him. And this is what he says to him. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste. 
come down, for today I must stay at your house. Jesus walks by the place and he looks up and, and calls him by name and says, come down, today I'm going uh, to your house. But when they saw it, when who saw it? There's a crowd of people. A crowd of people. And religious people are there too. And when they saw it, look what they say. They all began to complain. Stop for a moment. Why do you think they began to complain? They wanted Jesus to go to his house. The fans started to complain. Oh, but why don't you take a selfie with me? The, the fans began to complain. The fans began to, to ask, oh, what? How come he's doing this? He's gone. Look what they say. To be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Can you believe that, guys? Stop for a moment. Can you just think about this for a moment? Jesus had the audacity to go eat, to go spend time at the house of a sinner. First off, saying that sounds dumb. Because what are you? What are you, who are you to say that you're not a sinner as well? And that you've fallen short multiple times in your life. What you should have done is said, Jesus, don't just stay at his house. Come over after and stay in all of our houses because we're all in desperate need of you. But they began to complain. And they said, he's going to a sinner's house. So Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Lord, look. I love this because how many of you have ever sinned? All right, good. You're in the right church. I was try that was a pop quiz. Okay, like not me. I was like, either you come, repent right now, and, and accept that you're a sinner and you need Jesus, or get out that door because you're cultish. All right, here we go. So we're all sinners. Or we've been in the sinner's place at least, like, now, now think about this for a moment. You, you look at this, and, 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 and he doesn't just feel sorry for what he's done. In your sin, in your wrongdoing, you've wronged someone, you've wronged God. I know you have because you're human, and I have as well. Not just once or twice or three times. So many times that I've lost digits. In, I've wronged him. I've sinned. I've turned my back against God. Now, there's a way that I could come before the Lord. I could say, Lord, I'm sorry. Or I could come to the Lord and I could repent. Repentance is so different than just sorry. Sorry doesn't cover it. It's deeper than just sorry. When someone says, I'm just so sorry what I've done to you. Amen. Don't be so mean to them. But you want to see if that sorry has led them to repentance. Give it time. See it. And that's what... Now, I want you to see what Zacchaeus does. He stands before the Lord and he says, Lord, look, I give half of my goods to the poor and I've taken anything else from anyone by false accusation. I'm going to restore it fourfold. And then Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house. That statement could mean a lot of things. And we could debate about what that could mean. It means it's going to come to this house. I'm going to go to your house and salvation is going to come. Or it could mean from what you just said, there is revelation that I struck your heart. And salvation has come to your house. Because why would you say something like that if you have not repented? 
I'm going to return everything back and fourfold. I'm going to give them even more for putting people into that hassle. I'll explain to you in a moment why Zacchaeus would say something like this. And he says, today salvation has come. He's also a son of Abraham. I love that he says he's also a son of Abraham. I'll tell you why later on. And then he says, for the son of man, he's come to seek and to save that which was lost. Lost. Jesus was the ultimate seeker of manhunt. You feel me? I mean, you're hiding in an elevated place, and he's like, get down, I saw you. You're like, you didn't even look up. I saw you, and I know you by name. Like, like Jesus is it. He's, in a, he's, he's on earth, and he's, a, he's, he's, he's got an agenda, and it's mission manhunt. I'm going to seek and save those that are lost. Those that are hidden, I'm going to find them. Today's message is titled, write this down, it's titled, God's planting your tree. But as I say the word planting, um, I want you to put a slash next to that and also put God's planted your tree. Because he may be planting a tree now, but he may have also, and you're going to see what I'm saying, already has planted a tree as well. I'll I'll explain that. Verse 1. Verse 1 says, Jesus entered and he passed through Jericho. And I started thinking about entering and passing through. Obviously, it's the new year. So I thought about myself. I thought about us. I thought about the world. And I said, interesting. We just entered and we're passing through 2022. This is a new year. A new year. And you may have entered another year. And I don't know if you do this, but a lot of people do it. You entered it with resolutions with goals, with ideas for this new year. That's how many of us have spent the end of 21, deciding what those things were going to be. Or you may have entered with no thought at all. Your only thought or your only choosing of words has been this for entering 2022. I just hope it turns out better than 2021. That's it. That's my resolution. That's my idea. That's my thought. May it be better than 21. Anyone with me? All right. But it's interesting, this concept of time and New Year's and entering a new year. Because if you think about it, you have no power when it comes to time. You should write that down in your notes. I have no power when it comes to time. See, time will come. And guess what? As it comes, time will also pass. Time has the ability to come, present itself to you, and instantly say goodbye to you. And you can't say, wait, I wasn't done with you yet. When time's done with you, time's done with you. It's not a respecter of persons. It just comes and goes. I'm passing by. I'm on a clock. The creator has put me to go keep ticking. And no man can stop that time. It's going to pass. And this year has arrived But I'm telling you that this year will also pass as well. It's going to pass just as it arrived. You remember when 21 arrived? It felt like it was yesterday. At least for me, where did it go? But it passed. Now we have a new year. It will pass. And one can never say, no, 
I just want to stay in this moment. I want to stay in this year. I don't want to enter the next one yet. The reality is, is the countdown is going to happen. That ball is going to drop and the new year will arrive. It's going to happen. 23 is it, it, just it's there at the horizon. It's coming. So you've entered this year, and maybe you've entered with needs. Did you enter with needs? I wonder. You've entered with voids. You've entered with things that are left incomplete in your life. Oh, another year, and I have this stuff incomplete. You see, you wanted, as I wanted, last year to be the year that things were going to change. But COVID continued. Lockdowns may have continued. And in your life, forget that, but in your life, the unexpected continued. Whatever it was, whatever popped up again. And again, you you might ask yourself, when will this change? When will it change? But there is a truth in Luke chapter 19 verse 1 that I want to make sure all of us get. And it still holds true in the day of Zacchaeus. And it still holds true today. And it is that Jesus continues to enter and pass through. Walking in. He's passing through. He's entering. You're going to tell me that Jesus did not enter and pass through our gathering today? He passed through and entered just like he did in Jericho. He continues to do this. And we learned last week it happened in Exodus chapter 22. You see how this relates to last week? We learned last week in Exodus 22, he did it with Moses. In Mark chapter 6, as he preached last week, he did it with the disciples. And now again in Luke 19, Jesus is passing through in Jericho for the sake of Zacchaeus. So think about the last two weeks that we've had here at our nest. When Pastor Frank shared and then I shared, and it's very similar in, in this concept of what we're saying. These stories that we're saying here are being highlighted and magnified because Jesus is getting your attention, my attention. And he is alerting us. He's alerting you that he is present. He is aware that he sees you. You may have no strength, You may have no ability to get to him, but in his grace, in his goodness, in his faithfulness, he demonstrates that he enters and passes through your life yet again. It's the goodness of the Lord. Why would you pass by me again? He said, because I love you. I'm getting your attention. I hope you understand this. Verse 2, it says, But behold, there was this man there, and his name was Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector. A chief tax collector, and then he was rich. Zacchaeus was not just a regular tax collector. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And what happens is the crowds and the people, the Jews specifically, the Jews hated a man like Zacchaeus, especially not just a tax collector, they would hate them too, but but a chief tax collector like him, despised him. And it wasn't just because of their dislike of taxes, like us. It wasn't just because of that, but because of what he practiced and how he did it. What he did with 
with his career and what he did with his title. It's something that he would do that's uh, it's called tax farming. And as a tax collector, he would make profit, extra profit. And he would do this by charging his, what we would call them, victims even more. I'll charge them more and I'll make more money. So the Jewish people looked at him and said, you're one of us. And you're collecting taxes. You're collecting taxes from, from Rome. And yet you're also stealing money for yourself, from us, for yourself. As a tax collector, he would make the taxes go as high as possible so that he too could receive money. Here it is, verse 2. He was a chief tax collector, and that is the reason why he was rich. He was really good at his trade, at raising taxes and making more money. What is that called? I guess like an inflation he was doing on, on, on his own people. And that's who Zacchaeus is. That's who he was and is in this story. He was not liked. He was despised. He was a sinner. He had the wrong heart. He wasn't good people. And it makes sense he lives in Jericho. It, or, eh, scratch that, rewind. We don't know that. It makes sense that he's in Jericho, spending time in Jericho. Maybe he lives in Jericho. It makes total sense. Because Jericho is not the city of the Old Testament. Jericho, by the time Jesus enters it in the New Testament, is a totally different city than it was. Jericho now is a very prosperous city. Jericho is where you had to be. Someone says, hey, where do I go for a good time? Jericho. Hey, where do I go for a nice restaurant? Jericho. Hey, where do I go from to, to get nice? Jericho was the place. William Barclay, who was a Scottish author and theologian, look how he describes Jericho, how he writes about it. Ready? It had a great palm forest, world-famous balsam groves, with perfume, which perfumed the air for miles around Jericho. Its gardens of roses were known far and wide. Men called it the city of palms. Josephus, the historian, calls it a divine region, the fattest in Palestine. The Romans carried its dates and balsam to the worldwide trade and fame. Jericho was it. Another author writes about Jericho, and this is what the other author writes. Jericho was a winter resort for rulers. And rich people in Palestine, Roman generals, including Pompey, passed through Jericho. Herod the Great himself built winter palaces there. The oasis attracted bustling activity. It attracted historians from the Hellenistic to the Roman era. And in the time of Jesus, Herodian Jericho was flourishing with the construction of numerous villas, the cultivation of date palms, and the production of wine, spices, and perfume. Jericho was it. It was the place to be. So of course, such a man like Zacchaeus, who was rich, who had money to spend, and who liked to live well. You with me? Where does he go to spend a good time? Jericho, in a villa, perfuming myself and having a good time, putting all kinds of cream on my face, getting massaged. I'm just having a blast. There he is in Jericho. It makes sense. Verse 3. So as he's there, he hears about Jesus coming. And in verse 3 he says, he sought to see who Jesus was. I love this, but he could not. Because of the crowd. 
I understand Zacchaeus. I've been in crowds where I can't see what everyone's talking about and looking at because of the crowd. But I like that it's very specific scripture so that we can know why he can't see. And it says because of his short stature. He was too short, as New Living says, to see over the crowd. So there's a few things that, as I read this story, and we're only on verse 3, that immediately catch my attention in this verse. The crowd, as we've learned already, we know that they despise Zacchaeus. He's not a like man. He's not someone that would want to be in a crowd. It's not wise for a man like him to get in a crowd. You're not going to know who punched you and who kicked you. Don't get in a crowd, Zacchaeus. Not a good idea for him. But, in, but, but I read through this passage, and, 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 and our buddy Zacchaeus here, he jumps into a crowd, even though they don't like him. Well, how do you really know they don't like him? Because if you fast forward to verse 7, look what they say. Verse 7, it says, when they saw it, and when they saw Zacchaeus, they complained, and they said, Jesus, he's gone to be a guest at a, with a sinner. <laughs> look how they spoke about Zacchaeus. He's a sinner. He wasn't liked. And verse 7 reveals to us that he's not liked. But yet Zacchaeus goes and enters a crowd. See, they would recognize him. Because he's a, he's a, I guess you could say he's a disliked popular figure of his time. Zacchaeus would know that some in the crowd would recognize him. And as they recognize him, are going to call him out. But what I love about this verse is... We've talked a lot, enough bad already about him. So here's what I love about him. Ready? It didn't stop him any. It didn't stop him. I get there's a crowd. I get many of them hate me. And if they see me, they might beat me. But I'm still going to go and see if I can see Jesus. It doesn't stop him. You can pause right there and make your own notes and say, do the crowd stop me? Do the, do the crowds cause, do they limit me? It doesn't stop Zacchaeus. It says... Something very important. Here's what gets my attention. He sought. What's the word there? Sought is what gets my attention. And he sought to see who Jesus was. But yet he could not because of the crowd. Too short to see over it. So this shows me something about him. And what it shows me is this. That there was desperation. There may have been some sort of desperation in Zacchaeus to get to Jesus. And nothing was going to stop that desperation to get to God. I mean, I want you to see that for a moment. The word sought there, if you're taking notes, write this down. The word in Greek is zeteo. And I think that word is very important. Because that word means to seek in order to find. So now that blows, my, that blows my mind. Because Zacchaeus is in Jericho and can't see Jesus, but he's sought. He, he's seeking in order to find. So I started to think about that and I said, man, you know Zacchaeus wasn't trying to look because the crowd raised his curiosity. He, what else Hispanics call chismoso? He... he he wasn't being a chismoso. He, he wasn't doing this just to see, well, what's going on over there? It says that 
He was seeking in order to find. He, he went with some desperation. Not just because the crowd was there or because he was meddling in other people's business. Listen, write this down. He was searching for something that has been longing in him for some time. That's the only way I could describe that. I long to seek and find him. Who, can I ask you a question? How many people were around Jesus? Answer it according to what you know by the text. A crowd. We don't know the size of it. We know at times there has been 20,000, 15 to 20,000 in the crowd. Yes or no? So could this have been 15 to 20,000? I don't know. It wasn't there. But he's drawn 15,000 before. So ready? Let's play a game. Let's say there was 15,000. You want to shrink it for your own? Say there was 800. I think there was a lot more. How many of them got on a tree? How many of them climbed up a tree? You're going to tell me that Zacchaeus is the only one of short stature that couldn't see the cr over the crowd and wanted to see Jesus and was the only one. No. When I think about the whole story, I say there's something about this man that I'm going to honor. There's something about this man that I want to look at. And that is he's searching for something. And I believe that the reason why he's searching, because the word sought in the Greek has already revealed it to us. He's been longing for this search for a long time. And verse 3 tells us that as he searched to find it, it says he fell short. Have you ever searched to find, but you've fallen short? He's searching and he falls short. He couldn't find what he was searching. He was too short to see. The irony of this verse. I mean, I just read this and I say, wait a minute. Can we see here that Zacchaeus' short physical stature wasn't just about his physical appearance? It's also speaking about his spiritual condition. It's speaking about something deeper in his life. Let's think about Zacchaeus as a whole. He's a chief tax collector. Now we already know he has a lot of money, meaning his money could buy things. He gets away with things. He could do stuff. He knows a lot of people. He's high up on the, on the, on the scale, whatever you call that. So there's nothing that our buddy Z here couldn't have done. There's nothing that Zacchaeus, there, there's nothing in Zacchaeus that, that could have made a difference with all his money, with all his notoriety. Nothing I could do. Nothing I could have done to make a difference. There's nothing that Zacchaeus had, nothing that he could offer to change his circumstance, his riches, his popularity, people's fear of him. Nothing was able to change his circumstance. All we know is he's there, he's present before his circumstance, and Zacchaeus is too short. Zacchaeus felt short. He fell short of seeing. All his human ability fell short as the Lord appeared. <sighs> Romans 3, 23 and 24 says, For all, for all, everyone say all. Just in case you think that you can't relate to Zacchaeus, watch this. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have fell short from the glory of God. But watch the promise. Watch the beautiful thing. Because it's nothing about what we have and what we can and what we've done and what we can do and what we have under our belt, our resume. It's nothing about that. It's all about verse 24. But he was being 
all have fallen short, but being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. Redemption is through Christ. We've all fallen short. Zacchaeus fell short. Jesus is appearing. What is the Lord going to show him? Without me, Zacchaeus, you'll always fall short. And now I'm not talking about your stature. Without me, this is the revelation, Zacchaeus. He was going to show him that it did not matter. Zacchaeus, it doesn't matter what you can bring to the table. He has, and he will always fall short. Always and always has. You ever searched to find something? You ever longed for it? And you've fallen short. And the Lord today says, you always, and you always have, you always fall short. And though he tries, and though he's seeking to find what's longing in him, it will only be satisfied. The void, remember how you started the year, will only be filled. The need will only be met through and in Jesus. Through Jesus and in Jesus, which scripture in Romans 3, 24 says, his redemption. That's it. That's it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by the grace through redemption that is in Jesus Christ. That's it. My justification and redemption is in Jesus Christ because this man, like Zacchaeus, has fallen short before the crowds. So the great question is, as we're reading through this, can you relate to Z? Can you relate to Zacchaeus? You, maybe you've come to church, you've opened the word, you're here you keep coming, or maybe someone's on YouTube and they open the YouTube channel. Maybe someone's on, podca- on podcast and they press the play button on the podcast because, because you're seeking, you're seeking to find. But time after time, you keep falling short. It's the process. It's a process that the Lord takes us through. And it's a process which empties us from ourselves so that we could be fully aware and we could fully find him. Look at verse 4 and 5. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to find him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Zacchaeus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. Today I must stay at your house. How many of you can say amen? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, do you see how the Lord provides? Do you see how he goes, he sees your situation before you ever arrive to it? Do you see how grace and how compassion meets you in the place of your greatest desperation? Zacchaeus, at a point of his greatest desperation, and grace and compassion meets him there. And it says that he ran ahead. He, he runs ahead when he hears about Jesus. And he climbs up a sycamore tree, a fig tree, to go see him. I'm going to ask you to put up that picture. This is so and so, somewhat of what the tree looks like. It's a, it's a beautiful tree. And it's a big tree with branches that go out. Look at this tree. It could have been something similar to this. That as Jesus is walking by, he's on one of these falling branches just sitting on it. Just, you know, he's just there looking, waiting for him. 
And this is the kind of tree, a sycamore fig tree that, that Zacchaeus is on as Jesus is passing by. I want you to grab a picture of this tree and plant it there in your mind. He runs ahead to climb up this tree to see Jesus. I want to say something to you that I really want you to write down. And I want you for the rest of this year, for the rest of this year, to never forget it. Actually, for the rest of your life. Here it is. Way before... Everyone say way before. Way before before Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Way before Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. A tree was planted to meet his need. Way before. If that tree in Jericho was placed there in the moment that it was placed and created there... For whatever purpose people thought it was there for, if it was just for Zacchaeus on that one day that Jesus was going to pass through so that salvation could enter his house, then that tree was worth being placed. Like, like I want you to think about that. Way before Zacchaeus ever thought of seeing Jesus, Jesus had already thought of it and said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to place a tree in Jericho so when I pass by and the crowds are overwhelming, I'm going to give that tree as a gift to Zacchaeus so that he and I could have an interaction. You have a need. You have a void. You have a desperation. You have things that are left um, unanswered or things that have not changed in your life. What am I trying to tell you throughout this year and through the rest of your life? God's planted your tree already. He's planted your tree. You're over here. And and again, I speak to myself. I'm over here and I'm complaining. And I'm bickering. And I feel all sorts of way. But if I could just get it to my mind... Wait a minute. He's not done. This is my circumstance. I get it. Might not be so agreeable with me. But you know what? I know he has a tree that's planted right in time for when I perfectly need it. So when I need to get on it so that he and I could have the encounter that needs to happen to meet the need that I've longed and I've continued to have. Why? Because we learned last week that he provides And sometimes it hurts you and it uh, it bugs you and it bothers the heck out of me when he provides in ways that are not the way that you want him to provide in the manner and the way he does it. Who would have thought it would have been through a fig tree? I mean, he could have just said, he could have split the sea again, split the crowd and said, Zacchaeus, come forth. But his instrument is different. He plants something in the right time for you. Your purpose is just to believe today that 10 years from now is already covered. Because just as the Lord is present today, the Lord is already present 10 years from now. (laughs) 20 years from now. Let me tell you how deep this goes. I worry as a father for my kids now. But then I started thinking about this as I was getting ready to preach this. I said, whoa, my God, not just my kids. What are my kids going to be for their kids? And I start to blow my mind away. Be like, wait a minute, my grandkids. Wait a minute, my grandkids, grandkids. You do the number. I don't know how many generations already that is. And I say, wait a minute. I have to be faithful with now, present with now, knowing that there's a tree already 
planted for that generation. And it deals, it deals with us. It, it works in us. It, and, and all I can tell you is, yeah, God's planting your tree. And you're like, good, then one is going to give it to me. And it's five years, 50 years, the next generation, the generation after them. But regardless, he's doing a work. And he's planted your tree. Come on, church, real honest here. I mean, you can't come before his word and not be honest. What is your need? 2022 is here. What is your situation? What is the void that remains in your life? What are the circumstances you've been facing? You're at a place where you are seeking. You're seeking to find the answers to these questions that I just asked. And scripture reminds us today that way before you want to see Jesus in these things, way before a tree was planted to meet those needs. Why? Oh, this is not about you. This is not about me. Why? I'll tell you why. Here's the answer. Very simple. Because he's good. Because he provides. Because he actually cares. And because he wants to save and rescue, as we learned last week. And that's what he does. Church, God's planting your tree. So he empties you. He empties you. You use all that you have to find. But you're too short to see over the crowd. You know what? I'll, I'll, end, I'll end with this. You fall short. And then out of nowhere, on that same path, in the middle of your circumstance that only you know, in the desperation of trying to get that need met, you look and the Lord gives you a gift without you being able to do anything, without you being able to pay for anything, without you being able to bring anything to the table, the Lord brings something to your table and he says, here's a tree. Will you climb it? Wow. I get marveled at the Bible because of the question I asked you earlier. 15,000 people surround Jesus. One? One? Said, oh, I'll climb the tree. One. You know why? Because the tree was just his that day. It was just his. God knows your tree. God knows your life. He gives you a gift. I place this tree. Please listen to this statement. I place this tree because I saw this day way before you ever could. <sighs> when will I ever? And the Lord's like, I'm already there. Don't worry about it. I'll meet you there when it's time. When will this ever? And he's like, I'm there. But you're here now. I know, but I'm, I was also over there. And I'm also here. And I am also over there. 
I mean, I'm not getting deep into the attributes of God and that he's omnipresent and he's all these different things, but you're getting it through the text. You're going to find what you're searching. You, your need will be met. Salvation will come to your house through this encounter on this tree, Zacchaeus. You know, we're not so different from Zacchaeus. We have something very in common with Zacchaeus. Have you caught it yet? The Lord had a tree in mind for you. It's a tree of the past. Only God, only God could rewind time and grab a tree of the past to still bring power in your circumstance today. And that same tree could still meet someone 20 years from now in the future. One tree has the ability to still do that today. We don't have... Zacchaeus is a lot like us. He's us. Because the Lord says, it was a tree in your life that transformed you. It was me. It was my death for your sin on that tree where it began, where you began to find what you were searching for started on that tree my death on the cross for your sins you began to find out answers there it doesn't stop there it just begins there salvation just starts there wow I want to say something very positive to every single person here what a year this can be and I'm not talking about health and I'm not talking about government and I'm not talking about city, state, nation, global. I'm just talking about what a year this can be. Have you been so caught up with the earthly realm that you're missing heaven's gifts for you? Has the things on earth closed the windows for the showers of heaven in your life? Come on, fix your gaze. Fix your eyes. I get that this world is whacked out. And we live in it for now. But our true world is wild and alive. And the windows are open. Don't shut it. Because your gaze has fallen to earthly things. What a year your year can be. Thank you for that word today that was obedient through the Lord speaking. Because I believe that word because I wrote this before that word ever came out. Never met Chris, just met her today for the first time. And in my notes, I felt the Lord saying to me, what a year this can be, Regal. If you come to the end of yourself and you find me, and that's what this year is all about. Finding him and losing all of yourself. Come on, God's planting your tree. He ran, climbed up the tree, sees him because he was going to pass that way. God's planting your tree. You know this verse. Philippians 4.19, my God, my God, your God, our God. Let's claim him. He's our God. 
He shall supply your needs according, according not to you and your, according to his riches. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know what the name of the Lord, as we read it through the book of Genesis, the name given to God by Abraham was Jehovah Jireh. Translating, the Lord will provide. Or more directly, that name for God can mean this. The Lord will see to it. 2022. You know why it's our year? Because the Lord will see to it. Just us. I'm talking about the, the us, the ones who really believe this stuff. Regardless of what happens, the Lord will see to it. Think about this attribute of God. That he's seen to it. That he sees you. That he sees what's going on in your life. He knows what you need. And wherever it is, he sees. He's acting. God is active in your life. It's, it's at its very core, the name of God. It, it means this, to, to provide what is needed. To give sustenance or support. Our God is provider. He will see to it. Come on, what is it? What is it in your life? What is your need? In Genesis 22, 14, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide after the Lord provided the ram in the thicket. The Lord will provide as it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. In the New Testament, we see it all over scripture. I just grabbed you two examples, one old, one new. In the New Testament, 1 Timothy 6.17, it says, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in the wealth. Come on, don't focus on this world which is so uncertain, but to put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about this world. Let it worry for itself. God's got your tree. God's got your, your it. God's planted it. So here's my ending. Will you climb the tree? Well, what do I have to do? This year? What are you going to do? You're going to take a risk. That's what you're going to do. You're going to take a risk. Say that to yourself. I'm taking risks this year. This is my year. God's year. We're taking risks. Because he's planted trees for me. So I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Though it seems impossible. I'm doing it. I'm going to be a risk taker this year. Come on. Nest. What will you do? I'm, I will have faith. Can you declare that? I will have faith. Stop. When was the last time you went and shared someone the good news? The last time you grabbed, come here, Vizzo, I love you so much. Come here. When was the last time you just took someone? Come, come, come here. He's like, I don't want to do it. Come, come up here. Man, I love him. But when was the last time? Not someone you know, but just anyone. When was the last time you grabbed someone and says, hey? last time you just wash someone's feet just wash their feet just bring them in share the gospel win them to Jesus the last thing you do is invite them to this church but take them to the gospel 
Take him to the kingdom. Take him to his love. Be the tree in that person's life that they needed the whole time. Think about what this year can mean for this church, for you personally. This year, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to speak to people that I thought I would never speak to. I'm going to believe in things I would have never believed in. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to take a risk. The only thing that Zacchaeus could have done on that day is climb to the opportunity. And I'm telling you that there's opportunity. Opportunity has been planted. Only one in a crowd climbed to the opportunity. Come on, God has planted your tree. So I end with what is your need? What is your situation? What is your void that remains in your life? What are the circumstances that you have been facing? Way before you wanted to see Jesus, a tree was planted to meet your need. Can you close your eyes? Lord, I thank you. <clears throat> In this room, uh, we're there. We're there. Come to a place to know that, that you're good, that you're faithful, you provide, you know the needs way before we even know them. You've placed that need in Zacchaeus' heart. And that need was to find what that gaping hole was searching for. And you've placed that hole there, you, you placed that void in Zacchaeus' life. You gave him that need to search. The Bible says, by searching, we shall find. And Zacchaeus, in desperation, at that moment, didn't care about his circumstance or the crowd. All he cared about was the desperation of finding what he was looking for. And as much as he tried, he fell short because he could not find. But on that beautiful day, you were showing him that he was already found by you. I didn't get into the rest of it, Lord, but you walked by the tree and no one introduced you to Zacchaeus. No one said, Jesus, that man up there is Zacchaeus. He's a sinner and a chief tax collector. You should call that branch to fall so you could break his head. <laughs> no one in that crowd introduced him or spoke to Jesus about Zacchaeus. Lord, what wows me about this text is that you walked by the tree and you looked up and you called him by name and you said, Zacchaeus, come down fast. Today, I'm going to your house. He comes repented and salvation strikes his house. Lord, I thank you because you called him by name. And let me tell you something, as we're in prayer, Zacchaeus has been called every name of the book. I think the Bible is just very careful with what it writes, but at least it called him one of the worst names. It says he was a sinner. 
The people said he's a sinner. I am sure there are explicit, uh, explicit language around that word sinner. He was called bad, horrible names. To the point where the Jewish people would look at Zacchaeus and said, you're not even a real Jew. They stripped him. He lived on earth without an identity. Zacchaeus did, church. But on that day, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down. For you are also a son of Abraham. Let me tell you what happened as we close off in prayer. Lord, I thank you. Because on that day, you were establishing identity in his life. And you were saying, they may say this about you. But your life is about who I say you are. And I believe that that is where the transformation happened. Come on, church, please. I want you to listen to this. He did not sit down one time with Jesus and hear one Bible story. He didn't go through one course with the Lord. The Lord didn't even tell him, hey, you need to say this prayer. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Write my name down in the Lamb's book of life. None of that happened in this text. Do you want to know what I feel transforms Zacchaeus' life? This, that Jesus entered and passed through, called him by name, established identity. And when he stands before Jesus, because now he has identity in Christ, he's fully repented of all his sins. And now he becomes what his true identity is, a son, not a fan, not a crowd member, but a son of God. Come on, church. Instantly, he becomes family. So, I could go so we could go so much deeper than that. Wow, my God. So, Lord, we thank you. Because that's what you've done right now with us. That's what you're doing with us. May we never forget that. And may we see that in this scripture. Let us climb to the opportunity. Let us be re-identified. Let us be transformed. Let 2022 be the year. Let God get the glory. Not this world. It's not about the things of this world. Come on, make 2022 about the world that is to come, about the spiritual world. Let it be about heaven. Let it be about the love, the glory of God. Fix your gaze. Your trees planted, get there. Lord, we thank you. And we love you today. You're such a good God. We could go on for hours here. In Jesus' name. Together we say, come on, give them praise.